Hello and welcome to episode 142 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the new dad and casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Stan, it's so comforting to hear your intro. It's just it's just like oh, like 136 episodes of the show have been like introed by you. I just I need it. I need it in my life. I'm so glad you're back. Thank you. Also, I've I've not very prepared very well because I was on vacation until last late last night. So I I just need you as just like you know a guy to to bounce ideas off of. How prepared do you think Stan is at this point for this? Stan said all week. And how about me? What do you think I'm at? Is that is that the Godfather? Also, that's the Godfather, Dave Harburger. Stan, I knew you were going to be that guy. I want to tell you. Which, which guy? The guy who just loved being a dad so much <laughs> that it just exudes, exudes. This is like, it was my bit to be the dad for a while. And then I knew once you became a dad, you were going to be like the cheerful dad. Well, you know, I kept making this joke before my paternity leave that I was going on vacation for three months. And that's exactly what it's like. Get out of this town right now. Here's the catch. It's, Get out of the city, cousin Larry. It's a vacation with someone who like made a very detailed itinerary so you don't get any rest. And like mm-hmm. you have to get up at 3 a.m. to change diapers for like whoever you're sharing a hotel room with. But otherwise, I'm having a great time. It's good. It's also an itinerary they didn't share with you in advance. That's so right. you're there, so you're always disappointing them vaguely. Oh, that's <laughs> that's marriage, I guess, more. And but. then they start screaming and they turn all red yeah. and they spit up milk. Hmm. But I want to have that looked at. That's what happens when you stay at hostels. On this week's episode, we got a new set that we finally got to play with. So we're going to hunt together and explore the impact of Midnight Hunt, the return to Innistrad, Avison's Revenge werewolves are back in town at john carpenter's innistrad midnight hunt is what i think this set is officially called yeah we'll start with a little mini breakdown of the weekend's modern challenges the saturday one in particular was a real who's who of mtgo killers and then we'll try to do a little sleeve believe heave a few decks that have potentially improved or emerged because of the latest set on several formats that we like to play before all that guys can we housekeep for a minute Please. Have you been keeping your house while you've been so busy? That's my job, to be honest. I'm on diaper duty and and kitchen and cleaning. I told you you would be. (laughs) I'm glad you did. It's an important thing. Listen, I'm so good at changing diapers now. How's the bottle service going? Are you washing the bottles? Are you washing them? Are you doing it? Do you need them? Is is this the episode? Because I'll talk about cleaning bottles if you want, man. Maybe in the wind down. do that. to wind down a little bit we talk about cleaning bottles guys i i I blocked the parenting channel for a reason okay (laughs) you know what else i'm really good at is thanking the newest patrons to join the dive down nation shout outs this week go to kcg and pox americana thank you both so much i think i saw pox americana at riot fest this weekend (laughs) they were run right before rancid wow that's a good slot yeah did you wear your earplugs, David? How was Rancid? I'm, sh- I'm sure loud. I was nowhere near close enough to be affected by the loudness. Oh, yeah. That's the way to take in a festival. Also, thanks to the latest reviewer on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever the platform's called, AK Velocity 13 we see you and appreciate it. And as I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to help support the show, keep it going, keep standing baby bottles, keep our <laughs> editor Tanner in baby bottles, um, 
Check us out at patreon.com slash the dive down, where even $1 an episode will get you access to the definitively discreet dive down discord, where you can come and talk about all the formats you like. We recently split off a couple of more magic formats into their own channels. You know, modern, pioneer, historic, and EDH are the most popular ones, but we gave standard a channel. People seemed happy that Eldraine had rotated out, so we made a standard channel. Some people are trying to do that. We made a new fully dedicated limited channel as well, which was kind of lumped in together. So there's there's all kinds of things. Whatever you're playing right now, someone is going to be there to question the decisions you've made. Not us, <laughs> but... Hey, look, don't say we don't react to listener feedback and suggestions. Mm-hmm. We're all about it. The suggestion was to have a Discord channel for us to never talk about Standard or Limited on the show, and we hear you loudly. So uh, patreon.com slash the dive down. I think Dave mentioned it. We are also supported by Manatraders, manatraders.com, coupon code THEDIVEDOWN2021. All smushed together, it gets you 15% off your first two months. We use them, we enjoy them, they are a loyal partner many, many months now. So thank you, Manatraders, and please feel free to use them and our code for your online rental needs. Thank you, gentlemen. With all that out of the way, I believe it's Dave on the news desk this week, live from the internet. Dave, what do you have for us? I mean, it's a new format. It's a new set. The cards became available to people on Wednesday of last week, I think, on Moto is when they started showing up there. And so, of course, we had lots of people streaming, playing with the new Innistrad Midnight Hunt cards, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, we got some interesting results from the Modern Challenges this weekend. So wanted to talk about that those two events quickly. Once again, thanks to the early heads up for sharing top eights uh, a day, full day before Wizards does by Bamzing. Check out Bamzing's great write-ups on Reddit. Always helpful. And of course, thanks to Wizards of the Coast for sharing these lists at all. I don't want to beat around the bush on this tournament. So on the Saturday night or Saturday challenge, let's just talk about the top eight. In first place, well-known Magic Online player. (laughs) (laughs) Magic Online user. Uh, Sorry, that's... Magic Online uh, account holder. That's that's Everett's bit. I should I should have come up something with something better for Gabe. It's Gabe Nassif. Gabe Nassif won the Modern Challenge on Saturday with Living End. Bob the Dog on Moto. Second place was R Hotch with Is It Tempo, which I believe is Merktide. If you look at the actual list, it's Merktide. Watch that naming, everybody. Don't get confused. Um, third place was Canister with Five Color Elementals. Fourth place was Bill Zive with Blue White Control. He's my favorite science guy. <laughs> okay uh fifth place was spider space with a esper reanimator deck let's say sixth place was friend of the show i mean spider space is a friend of the show but sixth place was also another friend of the show everett mohan aspiring spike on jeskai phoenix that's right jeskai phoenix in the top eight of a modern challenge is it, is it that new phoenix from uh midnight hunt yep it's the, it's even better it's it's actually uh it's the one from Konzatark here. Um seventh place <laughs> Flamewake. Yeah, Flamewake Phoenix, thank you. Victor von Muerte with blue white control and in eighth place, curry underscore mono white or currivore online with blue white blink, a Yorian deck. So in case you weren't counting, this top eight had Gabe Nassif, Canister, Gabriel Maxon who is Spider Space, and Everett Mohan in the top eight, as well as a couple other people whose names I've recognized in these top eights before, including Bill Zive. But we had some of the top Moto Grinders all in this one event, all play, duking it out at the end, and Gabe Nassif came out on top. 
yeah, this is a murderer's row. I would not like to see this these people up against me if I happen to randomly make top eight. These are all the people I just want to awkwardly ask questions of at tournaments. I never want to play them in reality. <laughs> so, so do you think this gay Nassif person, do you think they're the real deal? Do you think they have what it takes? Mm-hmm. To keep it to keep it up, these magic online results. <laughs> I'll tell you that they just keep stacking up, stacking up. I'm sure, sure that's what he's measuring it with. Uh, so let's go through the highlights of the decks. It was a pretty good spread of different deck types here, including a couple of new ones, a couple old ones, a couple of new ones. But uh, so as I mentioned, Gabe was on Living End, was on the Four Grief version with three. Also, Waker of Waves, which is not a super new card in the deck, but has been, sh- but is something that I de- definitely took note of a little bit because I don't think it's always always there. It's a cool card that has a little bit better cycling in some ways because it lets you when you cycle it, it basically. So it's one in a blue. Discard Waker of Waves. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them in your hand, the other into your graveyard. So it's sleight of hand. You pay two for a sleight of hand, but you put a 7-7 seven, seven into the bin. Yeah, and sleight of hand, you don't put it on, into your graveyard. You put it on the bottom of your library. So this one, you get to put an extra reanimation or living end mm-hmm. target into the graveyard mm-hmm. as well. It's a pretty good card. I didn't really see anything too different here, but it's, it's the other thing that's interesting about these decks I didn't realize is that they run a lot of the uh, elementals from Modern Horizons too. So... Here's what I'll say about Gabe's deck. Notice this top eight doesn't have any rhinos. And I think a big part of that is because people are stocking up on Chalice. Sometimes in the main, we see this whole new blue-white control variant emerging, playing main deck Chalices too. And this deck, uh, this Living End deck, is just as vulnerable to Chalice as Rhinos is because Living End is a zero-mana spell. So being able to dodge that, perhaps in part thanks to the four force of negation, or even using like Grief to to take it out of people's hands on the play, I think is something that has allowed Gabe to actually play around a lot of hate that's in the field right now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's been liking this deck a lot and continuing to win with it because deck's pretty good. Absolutely. All right, and then in second place, as we said, we had someone on Murktide. Not really anything new in the Murktide deck, honestly. I took a look through. I don't think there's any Innistrad cards in here at all, but it's a solid version of the deck. Three counterspells, two charms, you know, everything else you would imagine here. Running one Engineer Explosives main deck, I guess, as a hedge against against Footfalls, basically. Maybe a couple of other things. Not like you're going to see food, but maybe a food kind of hedge as well. Um, but pretty normal version of this deck. Third place, Canister with four-color elementals. So this is a deck that has sort of been on the wane again. And the only thing that I thought was really notable about this one is that this deck... His version this time is running four Drifters, which I didn't think anybody was doing until uh, I hadn't seen that before. So really intent on drawing a lot of cards on this version. Elementals is basically the best tribal deck in the format now, right? In the current format? I mean, the, the value generated, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, you know, um, whenever it was on a few weeks ago, we talked a little bit about how he thinks ele- it kind of felt like he thought elementals is a deck that's going to kind of kind of go up and down a lot as the meta cuz it has some good it has some really really good matchups and it has some really not very good matchups and so um seems like maybe this one just got a moment to kind of come in i mean one other thing i know that this deck always ran time ra- or teferi time raveler as well but 
that is good a good main deck card against all these cascade decks as well Mm -hmm, for sure i mean this is probably a pretty myopic way to look at this but elementals i think showed up pretty well this weekend and i did not see a lot of tron there's a single green tron and a single drazi tron it's i don't think it's as polarized as that where it's like elementals can't beat tron and tron always beats elementals but i think it's a pretty strong matchup for tron and i think if people just decide they don't want to bring it or maybe it doesn't do well in the swiss then elementals can have more success for sure and in fourth place Bill Zive with blue-white control. Now, whenever it was on a couple of weeks ago, he told us that this was a deck that he thought was really real in the meta that was kind of on the way up. Uh, it's not something that I had played against a lot personally, but there are basically 2.5 blue-white control decks in this in this top eight, which is kind of interesting to see. It's the most played archetype in this top eight, essentially. And it's, it's running some new cards, which I think is cool. But the other thing is that one thing that all these blue-white decks have adopted is that they are main deck Chalice of the Void decks, which I think is not something people always think about. Blue-white being, you know, you see three in the main, you see two in the main. I haven't seen one with a full playset yet, but this one has its fourth in the sideboard, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's just like Path to Exile is not really a spell in modern anymore for better or for worse. And we have Prismatic Ending that can you know, get around that the one mana issue. And so why not? The, the format is so efficient that Chalice effectively can act like a you know three for one, depending on your opponent's deck and their draws. So play it. What do you guys think about the format as a whole if main deck Chalice is good, if not necessary? You know, is it as perhaps like scary or problematic as when the format becomes one where you want to play main deck surgical. I think Chalice is easier to destroy, even if you're playing a deck that heavily relies on one mana spells, because you can always play something that has an X in the casting cost. You can play something that costs two mana that can still get you value. Do you know what I mean? I think that's it's not quite as ridiculously powerful as something like a main deck surgical could be, where it's just like, I need to stop graveyard strategies as much as possible, and they're overrunning the meta. I think if Chalice, Chalice just indicates a highly efficient format, which modern has become, and I think that's just something we have to acknowledge. I, I guess I'm just really saying that Chalice is good because the format's efficient, mm -hmm. and and these decks can make up for that, playing the Chalice in the main deck by just running higher CMC spells, which is surprising. Like, this deck has Cryptic. It's back. Mm -hmm. This deck has Cryptic. There's a couple other things I wanted to talk about, too, and I think we should take a look at the other blue-white lists in a minute, but this deck was the one that was running the most new cards. It was running a single copy of Sunset Reverie main and a second one on the side, replacing Timely Reinforcements, which, if you remember, this card is the generic and a white sorcery from the new set that says, and if, if an opponent has more life than you, gain four. If an opponent controls more creatures than you, create two 1-1 one, one human creature tokens, and if an opponent has more cards in hand than you, draw a card. I thought that was interesting to see. It also has a fateful absence in the sideboard, which is something that I had talked about blue-white maybe picking up in order to get rid of planeswalkers that were resolved. Don't know if people think it's good or bad, but it was interesting to see. However, the big card that was in here, which has had a lot of conversation across multiple formats this week, was uh, Memory Deluge. This is a card that Shane made us stop and talk about on the spoiler episode last week. And I'll read it real quick in case you don't remember Memory Deluge. Two generic, two blue. It's an instant. It says, look at the top X cards of your library where X is the amount of mana spent to cast this spell. Put two of them in your hand and the rest of the bottom of your library in a random order. And it has flashback for five generic blue, blue, which means it casts Dig Through Time if you manage to flash it back. Card sweet. I've definitely become more and more interested in having this card around as the, uh, as the 
the week has gone on, I just think a lot of people are finding out that's powerful. It's basically the best kind of pure draw spell at instant speed that I think is available in this kind of big mana version right now, the four mana version. But I think it's cool. I was glad to see it. What do you think, Shane? You patting yourself on the back, you break your arm. Man, th- this is not my call. This is just a herd it through the grapevine type thing that I just wanted us to point it out in the spoiler rep. But I mean, I don't know. Just like a few weeks ago, we have the folks from Mishra's Babylon, and you know they're saying blue white control is not really playable. Cryptic command is not really playable. That's what the format feels like. It's not just them saying like these are our hot takes. It just felt like that. And all of a sudden, what does it take for a deck like this to somehow be runnable? And maybe it's just the right build where it's like, hey, we're going to lean heavily into solitude. We're going to play four solitudes to have some really efficient ways to take care of early creatures. We have our you know prismatic ending and counter spells, of course. But then we just quickly pick up the speed into Archmage's Charm. At three mana and cryptic command at four and memory deluge at four and supreme verdict at four so it's like this deck does have to figure out a way to survive into the mid and late game and i'm still honestly surprised in in today's meta and today's modern that this is enough to do it well you also have hall of storms giants yes that's really all you need i did want to talk about that card for those are cool lands honestly i know i really need to get some of those i haven't opened a single pack of the dungeons and dragons set i need to get the red one and hall of storm giants seems awesome hall of storm giants is the blue creature land it's the one that if you control two or more other lands enters the battlefield tap add blue five generic and a blue until end of turn hall of storm giants becomes a seven seven blue giant creature with ward three that is a beater who cares if it doesn't have flying i guess Mm-hmm. We want this and not Celestial Colonnade because it comes into play untapped sometimes, which I think uh, makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about the other couple of blue, blue-white control decks that are here. Uh, the seventh place deck is a much more kind of standard version of, of this deck. It doesn't have any new cards. It's running Factor Fiction, but it's still running for Archmage Charm, four Counterspells. So it's got the full complement of Counterspells. And the other card that goes in all these decks, which is for Prismatic Ending. It's running two Chalice of the Void and Shark Typhoon. Like, that's your core, basically, of this. And this deck is doing it. That is Victor Von Muerte's deck that came in seventh. Dave Davis has three Celestial Colonnade. Oh, this one does? I did not notice that. Look at that. Your tower friend is back. Spires? What are those things? Columns? They're columnades. Um, I, I gotta say, I'm pr- I'm more I am more intrigued with with having a land that occasionally comes in untapped when it really matters. So I uh, I don't know if that's the right one to run anymore, but it is. It's nice to see it there. I'm gonna give it a, a nice like tip of the old hat as we go by Celestial Colonnade here. Um, this deck also had more Planeswalkers. It had a Jace. The other deck did not have Jace all those kind of things. Uh, the eighth place deck is the one I want to talk about really quickly while we're doing blue-white stuff from Currivore. This deck is sort of chalice control. It has three chalices. It's got your Archmage's Charms, your Counterspells. It's running four Dovin's Vetoes. Part of that is because it's an 80-card deck because it's a Yorian build, which I think is super fascinating. Um, you know, So it's got Solitude. It's got Spreading Seas. It's got your Wall of Omens, all of your like flash targets. It's even running for Restoration Angel, which is sort of one Ooh. of those things where I'm like, that's a name I haven't heard around here in 40 <laughs> yeah. years. You know, like, I mean, Resto's a cool card, but I did not see that coming. Um, and then, yeah, this one is also running Three Celestial Colonnade as as part of its package, too, along with a few other things. It's actually even running a Hengegate Pathway, <laughs> a blue-white pathway, which is sweet. Good, good on you. This deck was cool too. It was interesting to see sort of more grindy 
and with more threats version of ch- this chalice control build uh, put up some good results. I also noticed that a lot of these blue white decks, if not all of them, are playing Mystic Gate, which is you know the fil- the blue white filter land, which seems maybe increasingly important if you're playing like crypt counterspell and archmage's charm and even cryptic commands yeah Yeah, into supreme verdict with double white right right yeah it's interesting this deck is weirdly a little lower to the ground it doesn't have any for for cmc um instance it doesn't have any cryptic it doesn't have any memory deluge it doesn't have any of that kind of stuff it does have lower cost spells but it's got a lot of stuff that it needs to get done so mysticate still makes makes sense i think here too um all right Shane, if you were going to torture yourself, which one of these blue white control decks would you would you go for? You go for the Yorian deck? No, I just man, I cannot do Yorian decks. Uh, uh, I mean, the fifth place, the fourth place one seems like it does the most with like the curve, where it's just like, hey, I can I I max out at four mana or five mana with Teferi Hero of Dominaria. Uh, Solitude, I think, is a house. I think Solitude is still like a card that. People are learning how good it is. And this one runs, I think, four versus the other decks running two each, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I, if I, I don't think I can ever play a Celestial Colony in my life. I'd rather play Hall of, Hall of the Storm Giants. That does it for him. Yeah, that's all I need. Stan, are any of these interesting to you? You're known to play some blue-white occasionally. These blue-white decks... Eh, the Merktide deck is, is really more my speed. Yep, this is true. Well, let's talk about what's really more Shane's speed, which is in fifth place, we had Gabe Maxon, Spider Space. Esper Reanimator. Shane, this is your your thing lately, yeah? Yeah. That's my thing. Yeah. I mean I've been Orzov Reanimator anyway. Yeah, I've but. been I've been focusing on Orzov Reanimator for like, I don't know, six, seven weeks now, which is a long time. So you know what? We're gonna talk about this one in the old dive down. So bookmark this deck, gentlemen. I'm just gonna say really quick, what makes it no longer Orzov, of course, is faithful mending and consider are the cards that people are really looking at running in decks like this. You know what Faithful Mending is. We'll talk about it more in the dive down, as Shane said, and also consider we'll talk about it more, but that's the new cantrip that everybody loves. And that's enough to pull this deck into blue and away from being just black-white. Similarly, as we mentioned, Everett was on a Jeskai Phoenix deck. So one of the first times we've seen that really come together well. Uh, You know, Normally, of course, Phoenix was either mono-red or is it very, very occasionally teamer. Um, and this deck has uh, Arclight Phoenix coming back. It's got Faithful Mending, Faithless Salvaging, and Consider, all as important pieces of the instant suite and new pieces of the instant suite. It's got four Prismatic Ending, and it has four Demi Lich as the secondary threat within the deck. I don't com- like Demi Lich's teeth. I don't like it. You don't it's, like it? They're like, like diamonds, the te- right? The teeth are creepy. They are weird. It's like Legend of the Crystal Skull. Is that a Nickelodeon TV show? No, it's the best Indiana Jones movie. Oh, okay. Did you guys ever know, though, that company that used to make all those hip-hop record covers, Pen and Pixel Studio? Did you ever check them out, like, 15 years ago? They had this incredible website that was just like, you would buy this package for an album cover and all this stuff that came with it. But anyway, that's what this reminds me of, is like that style of mid-early 2000s, like, photoshop hip-hop art for some reason but uh so this deck is the deck this is the deck that i played this week and so we'll of course spend a lot of time talking about this in the dive down i guess the only thing i could say about this deck is i don't know why this is these are demi liches and not full liches because they are very good okay and we already talked about the seventh place deck and the eighth place deck yeah so what do you all think about this top eight uh looks like good decks magic is fun 
Mm-hmm. Stan, you've, you've been away from modern for a minute. Right. Which one of these decks would you want to hop on? Would you stick with Merktide, as you said, or would you be looking at Phoenix? Where's your Where's your mind at? Well, I have been watching streamers a little bit, especially because friend of the show, the pen sword is back. And, you know, he's got this new blue moon brood that I'm dying to play, but... Yeah, it destroyed me on Friday night. By the way, I played. I played against. I played against Jacob, and he was very nice. And then he killed me. And I actually went to time because I was having computer problems as well. So <laughs> he destroyed me, and I wasted his evening. Sorry. Yeah, deck looks awesome. Fire Ice is bugged on MTGO though, where you can't flash it back with Snapcaster Mage. So I can't bring myself to actually register that deck in an event or a league, rather. Unless, like, I would put it together on paper, but. I don't want to play a bug deck on MGGO right now. Mm-hmm. Is it is where your heart is? Totally understand. All right. The last couple of things I wanted to talk about this event was, you know, looking at the extended top 32, the number one deck on the list, in, in my mind anyway, when I looked at the breakdown was Hammer Time. But if you bunch up blue-white control into a single archetype as they do on Goldfish for this event, you get five or 15% of the meta, the top 32 metagame was blue-white control. But Hammer Time and Burn were both really big here with three entries apiece. Neither one of them made a top eight, which I thought was really interesting. Additionally, there were 12 decks out of this list that had Luris as their companion from what I saw. Mm -hmm. And not a single one of those made the top eight either. So I don't know if that was just timing or if that was something else, but pretty interesting there. Dave, we also we also have Sunday's challenge. Yeah, why don't we take a look at that? Yeah, want me to breeze through this? Please. Take a little take a load off you. Take the load off rather. Okay, so we'll go through more quickly through this one. Uh because it's a little bit more straightforward. Uh not 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 as many curveballs. We've got sis Sajemba on four color elementals with Kahira. Uh, Meme Brand on mono red Eldrazi. This is not typical. I guess we'll talk about this now. Why not? So, this is kind of what you would expect. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just like it's good red cards, right? We've got Ragavan and Bone Crusher and all, and Matter Reshaper, uh, Thought Knots here, Reality Smasher. The red adds Fury, of course, and Eldrazi Obligator, which is a card that you just continually see showing up and doing some stuff. It's I, I, We've seen it in Pioneer. We've seen it in Modern from time to time. And it's a two and a red for a three one with haste. But when you cast it, you can pay one and a true colorless. If you do, you gain control of a target. You basically get a threatened effect. You gain control of a target creature and untaps and it gains haste and lend a turn. So, and Obligator also has haste. Yes. So you can have a pretty big swing if you have access to just five mana, one of it being true colorless, which this deck probably would. And you add on some abrade, some Shatter Skull Smashing, some Dismember, four Chalice, because this has only a single one drop in Ragavan. Mm-hmm. I'm still surprised that it's going to commit that hard to it, but if it's an if it's an Eldrazi Tron style deck, you're going to play Chalice of the Void. This has a couple Den of the Bugbear main, which is a cool card, uh, and the usual kind of things you might expect. So anyway, it's a you know red aggressive Eldrazi focused deck. So sweet. This deck is wonderful. Wonderful deck. I can't believe that this deck just like shows up every once in a while. You know it what just I mean? Does. Like, it does friend? Look at how many new cards are in this version of it, though. Like the version that we, you know, like I haven't seen this deck, I feel like in two years or a year and a half. And it's like, oh yeah, we could play Bone Crusher Giant and Ragavan and Fury. And Den of the Bugbear. And Shatter Skull Smashing. Like these all seem like good cards in this style of deck. So I was like kind of really intrigued to see this. Yeah. Cool deck. Uh, third place is a Murktide Is It deck. Fourth place, Demonic Tutors, who's been doing really well with Yogmoth, shows up in fourth. Fifth place, Coco Lopez on blue-white control, featuring main deck, rest in peace, 
to go along with their memory deluge. That seems like a rough one, but sometimes just drawing four cards and picking two of them or getting one of them is good enough, I guess. Sixth place. This is a uh, Titan build. Just looks like a, you know, usual old amulet Titan good stuff. Seventh place. This is Living End mm-hmm. by Oskia. Eighth place. Norath Decay on Boros Burn. This is actually a lot of well-known streamers too. Oskia is pretty well-known. North Decay is someone who shows up a lot. Demonic Tutors, like you mentioned. So th- there's a bunch of people on this this one as well. I looked through the rest of the top 32 for anything that looked interesting. I didn't, didn't find any cool decks, Inc., but Stan, you got anything? Well, this 8th place Burn deck playing two main deck Roiling Vortex, that's a decision. Wow. Also a main deck Deflecting Palm. I know I did notice this when I saw the deck list on Twitter, actually, because the, the, this player posted it. And I was like, main deck Deflecting Palm, huh? Really interesting. I, I, I got to think that's some kind of like, is that like Murktide tech of some kind? Like you're going to swing in and hit me with your giant thing and I'm just going to get you back? Like Maybe, maybe, or maybe like a single creature from Living End. Yeah, that could help save you too and then kill your opponent as well. Like definitely. Burn was actually all over this top 32. There was five burn decks that I noticed. You know, the fourth most played creature was Eidolon of the Great Rebel. So Hmm. why not? Rolling Vortex is an interesting choice for a deck that doesn't want to play Chalice to have something that just hurts decks that are cascading. You know, I mean, you get some incremental value from people casting whatever gut shot occasionally or something like that. But on the other hand, you also get it off of a cascade trigger too. So, And in Shane's financial corner, I will mention... There are 32 copies of Fury, okay, across this top 32. Uh, That's the most played creature, more than Endurance, more than Solitude, more than anything. It is currently like $14, $16, something like that. Just that's all I'm going to say. It's gone down from its peak after its rise. So this card is not going anywhere. That's a card we bought low. I I feel like I got mine for like four or five bucks. Yep. Buy low, sell high. I'm I'm not selling mine, so don't worry. You're going to buy it by other people's. This card was $26 six weeks ago or so. That's wild. Yeah, it had a blip. It had a blip when it went up. So buy back in. That's my that's my finance tip. Should we do a bonus episode where we review the film Fury? <laughs> sure. The top three cards played in this were, you, you mentioned that Eidolon of the Great Revel was the fourth most played card, but the top three creatures played in this event were Fury with 32 copies in the top 32, Endurance with 30 copies in the top 32, and Solitude with 28 copies in the top 32. Turns out free spells can be good. Yep, and Ornithopter's on this list too, so four of them are free spells. All right, so we spent a lot of time on this, but I did want to call out one cool deck, Ink, at least... And that is Jund Sacrifice, piloted to a 30-second place finish by the great Pablo on Saturday's Challenge. Calling out this deck because it's been kicking around a little bit. And this was something that Spike has been playing. He was playing it late in his trophy run last season. He was literally playing that at the end of the night when he was trying to catch up. Yeah, he was like, this deck is is good and people aren't ready for it. Jund Sacrifice, it's not just for Historic anymore. Uh, the major sack payoffs here are, of course, Mayhem Devil and Goblin Bombardment, which is the classic card reprinted in a modern in Horizons 2. People were interested in these Bombardment decks and Bombardment as an engine, and this appears to kind of you know, be a viable one. That's the one in the red enchantment that reads sacrifice a creature it deals one damage to any target clean and simple and then mayhem devil if you haven't played historic is one red black for a 3-3 devil that reads whenever a player sacrifices a permanent 
it deals one damage to any target. So peas and carrots, y'all playing, you know, you pay the sacrifice cost on bombardment. It deals one damage. The triggered ability of Mayhem Devil goes off as well. So you're dealing two damage if it's a sacrifice creature. Uh, and then Mayhem Devil, of course, triggers from all sorts of things right. that are happening in modern. You're sacrificing a fetch land. You're sacrificing your Ragavan treasure tokens. You have to sacrifice most of your like graveyard hate artifacts. Kroxa, when it's not escaped, is a sacrifice trigger. Grist has a sacrifice trigger. It's minus two is a sacrifice a creature. Yep. Not only your triggers matter too. So it's whatever anything on other any side of the battlefield is sacrificing mayhem doubles going off and people don't have a lot of experience playing around mayhem double at all in modern like people were just either not playing around it they felt they couldn't they just didn't seem like they had a lot of awareness that mayhem devil was going to trigger when they're doing things uh and then of course this deck has low to the ground stuff like ragavan and ignoble and bloodgast for a recursive sack engine and getting in that hasty damage you know, it's got your season pyromancer for value and sacrifice fodder and of course mayhem devil it's got ren and six for like power and recursive fetch land triggers you get a land back every turn then you sacrifice it that's just an extra point of damage you can deal it's got grist like dave was saying makes creature tokens for sacrificing and also allows you to sack them uh, for value unearth is in there uh gets you back a, a needed engine piece or even like a grist and has cocoa for value it's like it's a math heavy deck where i think you can sort of just be like count 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 oh i have 10 damage and then uh, I have lethal. I, you get a lot of value out of all of these pieces. And I think if you like that style of deck, like if you're a Yawgmoth fan, or if you like playing this in Historic, I think this deck looks legitimate and it looks like a, a deck that would be fun to play. Wow, this deck is 1,100 tickets on Moto. Can I throw a quick deck at you guys from Saturday? Yeah. Oh, please. 15th place, Prelude, 93, Seracer on Gruul Ponza. But it's the craziest version of Ponza I've ever seen in my life. All right, let's hear why. It has Utopia Sprawl. It does not have Arbor Elf. Instead, the one-drop slot is Ragavan. Mm. It has uh, main deck Clothis, which is pretty typical, coupled with main deck for Tarmogoyf, which is just a crazy, like, non-bow, non-bow. traditionally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Clothis is the Goyf killer. It's also got three Ren and Six that people don't always run in Ponza, too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's actually... Not atypical for Ponza to have one to three. Um, but it's it's really the lack of Arbor Elf and the addition of Tarmogoyf that I thought was wild. And re- remember Scavenging Ooze? It's back. Here's the play set. I was just lamenting how Scavenging Ooze has just kind of fallen off Modern's map, but not in every deck. Yeah, plus a couple. Carpollution Forest. I, I saw a play set of it in a traditional Jund deck, too, that top 32. Oh, yeah. Jund. What a concept. That's cool. And then one last deck. Shane, I think this one is worth talking about. So 24th place on Saturday was a dredge deck. Sure was. Fuji, uh, Fujisan mm-hmm. running all five colors. Perfect. <laughs> Silver Smoke Ghoul version. Uh-huh. And it was not running all five colors for Faithful mm-hmm. Mending. It was, in fact, running it for Otherworldly no. Gaze. Oh, yes. It's a, it's, the blue, it's a blue instant. Looks at the top three cards of your library. Put any number of them into your graveyard. The rest back on top of your library in any order. Then you can flash back for one, for one in the blue. Yes, the card I said did not dredge. Yet here we are. It dredged. <laughs> I mean, perhaps it still doesn't dredge. But, I mean, this player certainly tested it. They certainly did okay. They went 4-3. This is not like breaking down the doors of modern. But this person did do it in a challenge which is something that I have not done yet. Yeah, this I mean it looks like a lot of dredge decks, but they went the the they made room for it with one streak horn, only ran two life from the loam, then they went for like the four otherworldly gaze, four cathartic, four thrilling discovery. That is some mana requirements. 
Uh, and then I'm looking at the deck list and the mana base, and I'm kind of amazed it works. But that's me in every deck I look at in Modern because I find this mana interesting. Not as many Rainbow Lands as I would have guessed. Um, I think it's relying heavily on like kind of fetch shock kind of scenario. Uh, but then you know, I, I just I don't know how it's working, but it did. I will also note that the only way this deck gains three life is with Creeping Chill. It doesn't have like uh, Helix, the the flashbackable Helix type thing. Uh, is this a new way to build Dredge? We will see. I think this is definitely not the first time we will see people playing with and perhaps winning with otherworldly gays, but I don't know. Can we talk about budget decks in Modern for a second online? I mean, that's our thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's our thing. No, if you want to play a budget deck on Moto, look at the cost of Dredge. On Moto, on Goldfish, I'm looking at it right now, it's 86 tickets for this entire deck list with everything, everything, all the fetches, everything that's in here. Uh, So, wow, that's cheap. If you if you're someone who just wants to buy a moto de- uh, like a good competitive Magic Online deck and grind it, I think you probably can't do much better than 90 tickets for Dredge. But okay, huh. well that ends our your, your so-called mini breakdown, Stan. They're never many. They are never many. You know, I didn't write that. I just read what's in front of me. You guys populate the teleprompter, and I I say what I'm told to say. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> um, all right. Well, stay with us. We're going to dive into three specific decks. And I have a feeling that we're going to talk a lot about two particular cards this week. Consider and Faithful Mending, I think, are going to come up a lot. We'll see. All right. Stay with us. And we're back. Guys, we haven't done a Sleep Believe He formally in a while. I think we should start with a quick recap of, of that format, our patented format. Yeah. So every time a new set comes out, we try to look at the lists that emerge or are heavily influenced by new cards from the set and do a little segment that we call Sleeve Believe Heave, which is where we look at new decks and we rate them as to something we would like to play, we'll definitely play and we'll be around. We call that a sleeve. Something that we think will be around and think is okay. We think it's a real deck, but we're not sure that it's like a must-do. That's a believe. And then heave is we never want to see it again. We're not going to play it anymore. We're going to throw it out of the window right now. And and, and just to remind some listen, long-time listeners of our track records, our heave decks include five-color Niv Mizzet, Hey, that was before Modern Horizons came out, okay? That was before <laughs> Arkham's Astrolabe. It was before some other cards that were important to that deck. Yeah. I think we were a sleeve on Hammer Time, maybe? Does that sound right? I don't know. That was a whole episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We did an early episode on Hammer Our track Time. record with these decks is great. <laughs> yeah, it's 100%. <laughs> we're perfect at evaluating decks. So this set is really new and generally that we give another week before we mm-hmm. do a sleeve believe heave but it felt like there was enough stuff showing up in modern in particular i know there's some stuff going on in historic that stan has seen um so we felt like there was enough to talk about and in fact i think that it's really actually two cards that we're going to spend most of our time talking about like i said before the break i think that there's been a ton of influence on both modern and historic from faithful mending and consider when it comes to revitalizing mm-hmm. or maybe making powerful decks that are already there or just totally doing new things. And so I thought I would really quick quickly read these two cards in case you forgot what they do. Faithful Mending is a blue and a white, and it's not in front of me right now, but what it says is uh, gain two life, and then you can draw two cards and discard two cards. It is an instant, and it has flashback, one generic blue-white. 
That's right, it's Faithless Looting for an extra mana in a gold card in very different colors from what it used to be in, and uh, it's an instant, which is wild, as it turns out. And then Consider is a card that we've talked about a little bit, but it is uh, basically says Surveil One Draw Card. Consider is look at the top card of your library, you can put it in the graveyard if you want to, and then draw a card. You put it in the graveyard or put it on top of your library and draw a card. Very strong blue cantrip that I think a lot of people are excited to play with. So I thought that what we would do is take a look at the uh, sort of graveyard-based decks that it has helped enabled, and uh, one top-of-the-library deck that it's helped enable as well. I think where we should start is let Shane talk about Esper Reanimator. I played Jeskai yeah, yeah. Phoenix, as we mentioned earlier, and Stan, what did you play? I played some, I mean, I mostly stuck to Historic, but I played both Is It Phoenix and a lot of Is It Delver. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know what's good about letting me, or making me go first, at least, is that you get, you, you, we understand the time frame we have to work with after I'm done. That's true. Because I'm sure, because your notes are so extensive this time, you're going to go for like 30 minutes, like you There's always do. There's at least do. one page of notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also good at winging it. Yeah, I, that's what that. I meant. You're very good at winging it. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Spider Space, friend of the pod, Gabe Maxson. He ran this deck that I played this week out to that fifth place finish we mentioned in the breakdown Saturday's challenge. He only lost in the Swiss to that other Gabe Nassif and then lost in the quarterfinals, uh, getting him to fifth place. So if you aren't aware, I've been playing a lot of Orzov Reanimator lately. I've been taking it to the LGS the few times I can get there. I've been uh, doing just a random match here and there in the tournament practice room and uh, just been sort of tweaking it and philosophizing about it and uh, just going over the sideboard and the main deck with people in the Discord, trying to get as much testing as I can because whatever reason, I'm really liking this deck and I'm having a pretty good winning percentage with it. Uh, it's I've had a couple three ones at the store. It's felt pretty great on Magic Online much of the time. Of course, there's some bad matchups, but overall, I think it's cool. I think it's a little bit underexplored. But Shane, you say... Shane. Shane, you, you hated this deck. Shane, I swear, uh, you hated this deck. Well, it's not... That was this deck. I mean, that was that deck. This is a different animal, at least a little bit of a different animal, because uh, the version that I was testing out was like this sort of grief ephemerate thing where it had the sideboard Stoneforge package for kind of like the avoiding the graveyard hate juke and things like that. And I have tweaked it over time to just throw that grief stuff out. I never found it was worth the the deck slots, and I never f- felt it was worth the uh, going down a card to exile because you know you don't if you discarded the card to grief, sweet, perfect. You know that's that's an, that would that'd be that'd amazing. Be broken, but no, you exile. Okay. It. Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be bonkers. Um, so I just moved Stoneforge into the main along with Cauldra and Batterskull, and also three Inquisitions along with the four Thoughtseize, and that has been really worthwhile like having all that hand disruption is basically like an an in built-in way to protect what you're about to do and then stoneforge gives you that built-in threat package that the opponent has to worry about along with your reanimation shenanigans and that's been working really well for me but that's enough about that perhaps yeah and so along came innistrad midnight hunt to take a deck that you liked and turn it into something that you probably (laughs) hate <laughs> but I feel obligated to try. Let me ask you about some cards, Shane, because if there's yeah. nothing that everybody knows on the dive down, all of our listeners know, it's that one thing that Shane loves is blue cards. Loves Love blue them. cards. So let's talk about the cards that are in this deck. 
How do you yeah. like Teferi Time Raveler? Is that a card you've ever played okay. before? Yeah, I have played with this card, mm-hmm. but never in like a traditional controlling style mm-hmm. deck besides maybe we tested for like the show or something mm-hmm. like that. I've played it like in some, like, the, remember that weird shortly lived like creature combo Bant deck mm-hmm. where like it was there to just sort of provide value and like bounce Oath of Nyssa? Right. And stuff like that. Uh, I think maybe that had Astrolabe. I'm not sure. But, I mean, I like... Teferi is one of those cards where it's like... It feels exactly worth three mana every time I yeah. use it. You know, you were supposed to go along with the bit and just go, I hate it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I mean, I don't love it. I don't love it. I, I, find it. I find it useful at three mana. How about a deck with four cards that cost a blue-blue and say counter-target spell on them? Is that a thing you like to do? <sighs> Keeping up mana is not what I like to do. Okay. <laughs> I like using my mana on my turn because sometimes my opponent can just do nothing. And then what am I doing? What am I countering, Dave? Well, we got a couple of good cards to help with that, actually. Please go on. That would be Faithless, Faithful Mending and Consider, which we kind of implied were going to be in this deck. So those are all the cards that kind of moved into this deck to force it over into Esper. Yes, exactly. So what all do you lose from this deck by doing that? You lose the Stoneforge Mystic Package, right? Is but what else? Yeah, which is not even like typical. It's not even typically in most of the reanimator decks. But I think what so what Gabe did here is they brought in like Dave was saying four consider and four faithful mending and three to fairy time raveler. So that's kind of the biggest difference. And what kind of gets moved out of this is like the grief ephemerate thing, which people still like in some of these decks. There's no option for the stone forge thing because there's no room. And there's not a lot of room for uh, any bonus Inquisition if you're playing Consider, more well, or less. Yeah, that's right. Oh, there's still four th- Thoughtseize, but there's no, there's thoughtseize, no additional yes. ones, I see. Yeah, so you're kind of running you're running kind of this blend of a hand disruptive deck with Thoughtseize, a little bit of board interaction with your four Prismatics, uh, and then just kind of the filtering engine of Consider and Faithful Mending to try to get stuff into your yard and just dig a little bit. And so the, uh, you look at this and you're like, okay, all the stuff looks cool. Like Teferi Time Reveler does get around that issue where it's like, I want to do stuff on my opponent's turn. And the plus allows you to do mm-hmm. that, where you can keep up Faithful Mending. You, you could represent all sorts of stuff. You could represent Faithful Mending, Counterspell, Prismatic Ending... Uh, you can in represent things like Unmarked Grave to then set up like a Persist on the next turn. So the opponent does have a little bit of a trouble potentially knowing what you're doing once you have a Teferi Time Reveler out and you have the ability to keep plussing it instead of minusing it. So the real idea here, I think, is we have Faithful Mending. Does the shell then warrant including it? And does the power of the card warrant including it in a shell that makes you go into blue, white, black, also known as... Esper. And ostensibly this should should be good in a reanimator package, right? Like it's it's instant, like we've been getting at a lot, which lets you play it at unexpected times. Like you never were able to like just sort of represent a counter spell and then cast Faithless Looting on your opponent's end step and then untap and cast a reanimator spell like uh, Persist or Unburial Rites or something like that. That was never really an option for you. But the mana efficiency of Faith Faithless Looting didn't really require that. Like you just would do it on turn one and then say, Hey, I've got some stuff in my graveyard that I'm going to work with on turn two. So you better hope you have like a relic of progenitus or something like that. That's going to stop me from going off on turn two with my cathartic reunion or whatever kind of shenanigans or like, you know, opt opt, whatever, uh, 
whatever people could do on turn two, hollow one could do bonker stuff on turn two. So anyway, it's instant speed. That's good. That's a new angle of attack and allows the deck to be doing other stuff if it doesn't have, if it needs to counter a spell or something like that. And then it draws you through your deck and discards reanimation targets. That's something that reanimation decks have always wanted to do. I want to dig, I want to discard. Faithless Looting was one of the best ways to go about doing that in the past, and this card should be a good way to do that. And then it also gains some life, which buys you some time against aggressive starts, against wide boards, and that life gain... Uh, I, I will give you a little bit of a spoiler. Certainly handy. I think it's worth mentioning here too that there there's even more versions of this deck out there. Like this is you know as you said this is Spider Space's version, but uh, Everett has also been playing this deck a lot lately, and I think that he's been playing a lot of the deck with um, with Gifts Ungiven as well. And this is yeah. a classic kind of reanimator shell that's been on the bubble in modern for a long time, which is and for Chalice. Yeah, he uses Chalice too. Yeah. Yeah, he has no like no one mana spells, so he's doing that. He's doing that chalice control yeah, thing. So he, but what's what's gifts all about? So he he's cut consider from his deck. It's worth mentioning uh, in favor of just having faithful mending. But yeah, so uh, chalice. But so gifts is a is a deck that people used to try to play sometimes, and a key part of that is unburial rights, because what it allows you to do is guarantee that you're going to get a reanimation spell after you cast gifts on given, because it doesn't matter. As long as you have the land, it doesn't matter if they put burial rights in your hand or your graveyard. So what happens is you basically get a stack that's like persist and burial rights, a reanimation target, and maybe a discard outlet. And you kind of tell your opponent, like, go ahead, um, you know, pick two of this stack to put into your graveyard. And no matter what, you get what you want. Oh, or you could just pick two cards that they're forced to put into the graveyard. Oh, right. That's the yeah. other line. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to pick. That's right. You don't have to. You, it's up to four cards, basically. Right. I'm going to admit something to y'all, okay? So, Unburial Rights has been a card that I've seen in most, but not all, reanimation decks, and I'm, I've always find it a little bit clunky. Right? It's like, well, it costs five on the front side. What am I discarding this to to enable the flashback? And I think maybe that argument was somewhat there in the past, but one. This deck, of course, enables looting a little bit better, or mending in this case, where it's going to discard stuff to your graveyard with Consider or Faithful Mending. But two, you can target Unburial Rites with Unmarked Grave, okay? Unmarked Grave does not say search your library for a non-legendary creature. It's simply a non-legendary card. So when you need to draw into a reanimation spell... You can simply, and then you have like extra unmarked grave, which happens all the time. So you unmark grave, get your unburial rights in the graveyard, and then you have that flashback spell set up for the future. And uh, now that when I've realized that, that's come in handy in this deck, especially because of the additional discard outlets. And that's been something where now I see the point of running this spell, and now I, I like it right now. So we'll see if that lasts. Yeah, I just think it's probably a good piece to have around in this deck since there's so many different ways to have it advantageously. Yeah, for for me, like I was always big on Priest of Fell Rites, which is also a thing that you see is missing from this deck entirely. Uh, I think Priest is actually a little bit underappreciated. I think that some people cut it from their reanimator decks thinking it's like, hey, it opens me up for cheap removal. Like I can get Fatal Pushed or I can get uh, Lightning Bolted. And for me, especially in the Stoneforge version, 
that's fine. Because like if, if my priest is eating a removal spell, that's one thing that my Stoneforge is surviving. And then it just sort of puts additional pressure on the opponent saying like, oh, can I let them untap with this? And if you get to five mana, you unearth mm-hmm. it. So it's just another way to use your mana as the game goes long. And this deck also is not running that because of just the, the increased spell suite of like the Faithful Mending, of Counterspell, of f- up to a full four Prismatic Ending and the full four Consider. Shane, is this Splinter Twin? Uh, No. I don't think it's Splinter Twin. I think it can become a. I think it can become a Merktide type deck, where it's kind of like a little bit uh, protect the king slash queen slash you know, non-binary ru- uh, re- royal ruler. <laughs> protect the royalty. Uh, so I think that it doesn't feel exactly like that to me. Not Splinter Twin, mainly because so much of your stuff is not instant speed. It only becomes instant speed with the with Teferi on the board. Yeah, I, the, the only reason I ask is just because like you play this control strategy with counter spells, removal, and even hand disruption, and then you can potentially just have like a combo turn where it's out of nowhere you've got a seven seven flyer protection from whatever's relevant. It it never I, okay. I'll also say that I'm not like some steeped Splinter Twin player. I've never really played Splinter Twin. I've played creature combo style decks, but not control combo creature decks i guess this is news to me (laughs) it never feels that way to me um but i guess i can also see that where it's like as long as i'm not dying eventually i'm gonna reanimate something and stick it right and then maybe i'll have some counter magic backup or but like the the thing about this deck though is like it's not playing like sweepers it's not playing damn it's not playing supreme verdict it's not doing something that can completely reset the game and so i don't think you can sit back on your laurels like you can maybe with a control combo deck and also it doesn't win quite as quickly or as conclusively as like a twin deck does like you still can have your archon of cruelty hit with an unholy heat you can still have it hit with a terminate and lose you know what i mean yeah i was gonna say i don't think this is uh, just because it doesn't win on the spot like you have to grind it out still you need those couple turns yeah you, you still have to win like and that's what is kind of fun about the deck and i think that's where kind of like your counter spells and your prismatic endings and things like that come into play is where it's like i can protect this archon of cruelty or the sarah's emissary like when my opponent uh tried to unholy heat it and it had uh they had four card types in their graveyard and it's like stan is this a good time to cast counter spell when they're targeting my only creature <laughs> with a removal spell i would certainly try i'm just like to say that sarah's emissary doesn't win on the spot again i, I haven't played this deck so I, I have to take your word for it it's just certain decks it does most decks it doesn't okay because the real problem is, is some some decks they can bounce it with a planeswalker. Yeah. They can hit it with an instant or a sorcery, or they if they're a creature deck that also has spell based removal. Like imagine, like what would you name against a uh, like a a, a Merktide deck? You know what I mean? Like, what would you name against a, a Luris spell-based deck? It's just like there's there's creatures and spells of many types, and so it's just like uh, it's hard to figure out what to name just with Sarah. There's some decks though, like against I played against uh, Affinity. And then it's just like name artifact. <laughs> there's some like yeah. you know there's Eld- Eldrazi Tron name Eldraz name creature. You basically win. Uh, same with elementals. Like you can pretty much name uh, creature creature and and you have they have very few outs at that point. So there's some decks that it, it is big game and some decks it's not. I always love having access to one because when you need it you get that. When you need Archon you get Archon. Continuing on kind of like this issue, the issues with Faithful Mending, like we read, we talked about the benefits maybe eight minutes ago. The issue perhaps, and perhaps a benefit, is that Faithful Mending is white and a blue. And the reanimation package of Unmarked Grave and Persist and usual suspects like Thoughtseize is based around black. So 
it's typical to have included white in these decks to get you access to a prismatic ending, and I think primarily great sideboard cards. And I guess Stoneforge, if you're me, main deck, and Ephemerate is typical in these decks as well. But it's not like white is some amazing foundation for the deck that like it's built around. Like You're not running white to get access to all the amazing you know, creatures that shores up this deck. It's just always kind of made sense to be an Orzhov-based deck. But blue, blue gets you counter magic. Mm-hmm. Or, or it got you counter magic, but now it gets you Faithful Mending. And the appeal to running like this entire group of cards together has made people experiment with Esper. And my play experience with it was weird in that it didn't feel drastically different than my play with Orzov, meaning in that it won the same way. And this, it's kind of like I can counterspell what they're doing. When I was playing a deck with more Inquisitions, it was like I'm Inquisitioning what they're doing before they do it and make sure the coast is clear and then try to stick my Archon uh, so that they can avoid their Terminate or I can avoid the Unholy Heat or something like that, right? The way this plays out, though, and we were hint- I was hinting at this earlier, I think, with the Instant Speed stuff, is that Faithful Mending being Instant Speed and Teferi Time Raveler allowing you to cast your spells at Instant Speed is very weird. Like, it gives you lines that you don't have in the Orzhov variant because you can represent things, like I said, like the Counterspell. Rapids can't Counterspell, people play very different. You know what I mean? Or representing the instant speed ability, like you said, Stan, is like, can I tap out against my opponent right now? Because they might just do an instant speed unmarked grave, and then I have to worry about them reanimating something. And all of that, I think, worked really well. The thing that I didn't have enough time to actually draw and play enough with was consider. And just my my gut feeling and seat of the pants reaction is that I'm not sure this deck needs consider. And I think... Some of the one of the one of the reasons I like the Orzhov version I've been playing is that it has a few alternate ways to discard something for value, and that's with a bone shards, with a collected brutality, and those do something when you discard a card. And what Consider is doing is just kind of like giving you a little bit of velocity, and potentially allowing you to discard something you want into uh, your graveyard. And I'm not sure if that's there yet for me. But it's something that I do need to keep considering uh-huh, because it's just something that I don't have enough enough reps with. But I, I lean towards the ability to interact with what my opponent's doing because my strategy is a little bit fragile. Like I having only Archon and only Sarah means I my graveyard needs to stick around. I need to and I need to stop graveyard hate. I need to stop removal spells on my reanimation targets. And consider doesn't actually do that for me. So I want a few more reps with it in in that way. And then one of the things that was also kind of a little bit rough was the mana. And I, I, I played this deck exactly as Spider Space did. I built it exactly like they did. It has a Singleton Mystic Gate. It has two River of Tears, which is a land I've never played. It is a very interesting land in that... You add blue to your mana pool, but if you played a land this turn, you add black to your mana pool instead. So the turn you play it, it can only be tapped for black. But then on like your opponent's turn, it taps for blue. And the conceit there, or the concept there at least, is that it's better for counterspell. Because you're going to counterspell on your opponent's turn most typically, and then it's always a blue mana. And then you can kind of make it what you want on your turn, like if you tap it to float something... uh, before you play another land or something like that, you can it can be blue or it can be black. 
oh, and overall kind of like a typical fetch shock basic situation, but it's something that I'm, I have to get used to and I have to get used to playing. But Faithful Mending, just to go back to that as kind of the card of focus here, I think is quite good at what it's doing. It gets really nice to discard cards that doesn't require having, you know, I don't have to two for one myself necessarily because I'm drawing cards and then discarding them. I'm not discarding the card to Bone Shards with the hope of reanimating it. I don't have to discard it to Collective Brutality with the hope of reanimating it. I'm sort of just getting raw value by digging through my deck and then tossing these reanimation targets out of my hand. And I like that quite a bit. I li- like I said, I like the Unburial Rites at four mana getting into my graveyard. I definitely want to keep playing this. I'm curious about shaving the spell suite down a little bit and then even and adding back in Stoneforge, like something that I never thought I'd be like Stoneforge's Bay, but apparently she is mine in reanimation, which is just like, hey, uh, I need more threats. I don't want to rely on just these reanimation targets. Like I want to present an alternate threat line. But overall, I think that it is a good spell. It's a good spell in this deck. The life gain was clutch. It, I've gained like I gained six life last time I in a match against uh, Ponza when they had lethal. Otherwise, and I was able to just flash it back from my hand, flash it back from the graveyard, cast another one from my hand, put myself well out of bolt range, um, and then just swing in for the win on the Archon. Uh, there's just a lot of good things to do with this card and this deck. I think overall, so I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a sleever rather. I think sleever. it's I think it's good. I, I like. I mean, I like the strategy. I am not sure I like it more than what I've been doing, but I think that this is just an early version, and we're going to keep getting better. I'm happy for you. It did just occur to me while you were talking about consider that we all played consider. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. That's what I was talking about for your consideration title. That is what I was thinking about calling the app. We're just gonna re- we're just gonna rename the podcast. To NPR presents for your consideration. Are we like an are we an NPR show? Are we like an APM? <laughs> I PRI. thought we were Panoply. All the way. Oh, PRI, yeah, okay. PRI. Uh, Spider Space, thanks for giving me this template to work with. I'm definitely going to pick your brain on Discord, and maybe we can have another chat about this in the near future. Dave. Dave, 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 what do you got for us? Are we going back to that well? Are you so surprised that we didn't have this first? Every time it's possible that we would ever do this, could ever play this Episode card? one. Episode one. Dave, does this does this have Thought Scour? This deck does have Thought Scour. Okay, does that have Arc Light Phoenix? This deck does have Arc Light Phoenix. It's like going back to episode one, it baby. Is. Does it feel bad if you thought scour yourself and the wrong cards go into your graveyard? Oh, it feels so bad. No. I, I hate when no, that happens. It doesn't, it doesn't at all. You knew we were going to do it. It's time to talk about... I mean, this this deck, we're going to talk about Jeskai Phoenix. It's Phoenix, it's Jeskai. It's two of my favorite things, in theory, together in one one deck. Got your got your lightning bolts. It's got your cantrips. It's got all the kind of things that I love and Stan loved at one point in time as well. Yeah. So here we are, Jeskai Phoenix, designed by Everts and piloted to a top six in the Modern Challenge on Saturday. Uh, he really likes this deck. I watched him on the stream talking about it. He's very feels very very good about the way that this is built right now. Uh, so I'm going to talk about the deck list really quickly to, t- to say what's in here. So only two creatures in this deck. For Arclight Phoenix, for Demi Lich, and uh, I'm going to read Demi Lich in case you forgot about what it what it does. It's uh, Mythic from the Dungeons and Dragons set. It is its mana cost is blue, 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 
blue. It's a 4-3, and it says this spell costs one blue less for to cast for each instant or sorcery you cast this turn. Whenever Demi-Lich attacks, exile up to one target or instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Copy it. You may cast the copy. You have to pay for the copy. Just to note that when you attack. You may cast Demi-Lich from your graveyard by exiling four instants and or sorcery cards from your graveyard in addition to paying its other costs. So when you do that, is the other cost discounted by any instants and sorceries you play that turn? Correct. Cool. And so it really... So here's it's Hollow say. One. It, it, it sounds like Hollow One. It's really... It's honestly more like Arclight Phoenix than, than anything else. It's just Arclight Phoenix where it's four spells to do it instead of, instead of uh, three, basically. Mm-hmm. And... You cast it from you can cast it from your hand as well, so it's not completely reliant on the graveyard. Now to get all the value, you want the graveyard, of course, to be able to do it and to be able to cast it more than once. You want all the graveyard and da 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 da. But it is something that you have these hands sometimes where you honestly can go turn three. I'm gonna get three Arclight Phoenixes and three Demi Liches into play. You have the, the these like weird draws like that. It totally happened to me a couple of times. Um, so do so you win those games? Package. I won one of them. I didn't <laughs> win the other one. I tell you what, uh, to talk about the pen sword again, Shark Typhoon is a heck of a card, especially if you really know what you're doing with it and just want to have a whole bunch of blockers because he hard cast it. Uh, so this is I got all those into play not on turn three. It was a later turn where I got up got six different creatures into play. But he had blockers and spells and and everything to be able to keep me from killing him. Anyway, as an aside, so first thing, threat package in here really slim. It's just eight cards plus all the spells. That's the whole deck essentially. Um, ever. I listened to him on chat a bunch of times. Is really confident in this being the right creature package. He doesn't think that we need Dragon's Rage Channeler in the deck. He doesn't think you want Thing in the Ice in this deck. He doesn't think you want anything else kind of like gumming up the works. You just want the spell-based payoffs for this deck and kind of go, go, go from there. Uh, I kind of believe it after this. Um, definitely, especially given the way the spells work out, but it was still a surprise to me that one of the best cards from Modern Horizons that everybody has acknowledged how much they love, that is a graveyard payoff that can mill, you know, mill phoenixes or demi-liches into your graveyard is not worth including this deck. I think it just kind of gets in the way. The spell suite. Let's talk about the stuff that you are familiar with being in the spell suite here. So, of course, as we know, the goal with these decks is to cast and draw into as many spells as you can in a given turn, so that you can play your cards for free and attack with hasty birds and do other things. So what we're running here is Lightning Bolt and Metamorphose, Thought Scour, Serum Visions, and Gutshot are the old cards that we're kind of used to. It's all playsets except for Gutshot is only a three of instead of a four of. And then, uh, you know, and those cards do what you expect. You know, Manamorphose is super important in a card in a deck like this. It's one of the things that makes modern Phoenix so much faster and so much more reliable than maybe Historic Phoenix, although Historic Phoenix is very good at different points in time and still is a playable deck, from my understanding. I'd be curious to see where it ends up with uh with Fatal Mending and consider as well. You know, Gutshot's a free spell for you. Lightning Bolt is just, you know, your good interaction, a little bit of extra burn. And then, of course, Thought Scour, feed the graveyard, draw a card, get an extra spell, Serum Visions, set up your future draws. Like, that's that's kind of what the whole, the whole game is. So that's a large portion of the spells. Then we have the cards that I would say are basically new. And that includes Consider, Prismatic Ending, full playset of pres- Prismatic Ending in this deck, 
for faithful mending, of course, and for faithless salvaging, which is interesting. It's a card that people have been playing around with a lot since Modern Horizons 2 came out. But I think that together with faithful mending, it finally has enough redundant copies of your kind of uh, looting effects that the deck has kind of moved on to the next level from where it was before. Yeah, I feel like Everett is one of the few like faithless salvaging stalwarts out there like he he seems like he he continually thinks that it's it's worth it it's the rebound is really valuable for getting those multi-spell turns especially so it, the mana cost is definitely tougher but it, it does it does do work yeah i agree and you know what it's so we've talked to you talked a lot about you talked a lot shane a lot about faithful mending being an instant and faithless salvaging has the same plus to it where you get to set it up where you cast it at the end of turn two to kind of get your stuff rolling and then when you come back on turn three you know you're kind of trying to set yourself up to do faithless salvaging into three single mana spells of some kind because you'll notice an incredible amount of the cards in this deck are a single mana i mean consider gutshot lightning bolt prismatic ending serum visions and thought scour are all a single mana you know you get your mana morphos into turn three there where you get an extra spell trigger on top of that as well and so the only card that really makes a giant turn three hard sometimes is faithful mending and you can still you can still kind of um, take care of that by having Metamorphose as one of your cards in your hands that you uh, sequence as well. So not only does Faithless Salvaging help you get to turn three with three car three spells more often, it helps you get to turn three with four spells more often, which is where you want to be in order to cast Demi Lich. And so, you know, I think that this engine just really works. You know, like it feels really slick. It feels like pretty consistent it's nice that you have um prismatic ending as a card that comes along and really levels up the interaction that this deck can have it lets you run something that is main deck interaction for uh graveyard hate basically that doesn't penalize you all that much because it also helps you get rid of creatures it also can be cast as a toss off one mana spell if you need it too which i think is something that happens quite frequently we're looking for spell triggers yeah i feel like we definitely have talked about prismatic ending and appreciated prismatic ending but i just i just can't get over how good it is and just how efficient and effective it is at against all sorts of things that i think formerly would be pretty good like my exiled a a, a clothis you know what i mean like it just in a, in a, with a main deck spell that I could also take care of graveyard hate, it also just tags a Clothis because it exiles. And now that I'm in a three color deck, it gives me a more powerful prismatic ending. It just it scales so well, and it just handles so many different kinds of permanents that prismatic ending is what like one of the top three game changers out of Horizons Two. Maybe I don't know. Oh yeah, I mean I think it's by far one of the biggest for sure. I mean it's it's so important, and like a, like you said, it lets decks play. Have outs to hate with no real downside because it gets rid of so sure. many different types of permanents. You know, I think it's good. Like, I don't know what else to say. I think it's legit. I will say I did terrible with this deck personally, but I think that it was because I was extremely tired while I was playing it. But we can come back to that in a minute. So you say it's good, Dave. Mm-hmm. I think the real question is do you think this card, these two cards, are enough to bring Phoenix back? Yes, on turn three, quite often. Yeah, cut to the chase. Is is Phoenix back? If so, why? Well, okay, so I, I do think Phoenix is probably back. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that it's um, you know, and with coupled with Everett's performance, I mean, I think that it might even be less vulnerable to graveyard hate than it was before because a prismatic ending helps it be able to fight off all the permanent based graveyard hate that you would run across. The now it's still pretty resilient or still pretty vulnerable to surgical extraction, which I think is going to make a big uptick too, but that's kind of a different different thing altogether. So what's interesting to me here is your argument almost sounds like uh, prismatic ending is perhaps the best reason to actually go into just guy since faithful mending like that could be replaced with is it charm and we know that is a charm doesn't really do the job at replacing faithless looting but now we well, have these two things yes but but okay so let's talk about that i think that's a great question stan because we have been here for a long time and we've been able to play is it charm instead of a faithful mending. And even I went back and forth on this a little bit during preview season where I was like, is this going to be good enough? Is it not going to be good enough? Is it going to be, is it just, is it charm? Like someone said to me, it's just, is it charm? And I was like, Oh my God, it's just, is it, is it charm? It's not going to be anything. Here's the, the, the thing. It gains you two life. That is actually huge in this deck <laughs> no. because it's not the thing you, though. Come on. No, it's not the thing. It's not the thing. The thing is that it has flashback. That's the, the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's giant. Like I, I can't overstate enough. I think everybody understands, but you know, the fact that you can discard this to a card or you can cast faithful mending at the end of turn two and then cast it again on the end of turn three, if you need to, for some reason, cause you're like engine is sputtering basically is giant. And that, that it's instant speed is a huge difference. I mean, so that's really what makes it not just is it charm is the is that you can mull you can mill it with a thought scour or cast it out of your hand and get two two casts out of it. It's giant. It's not even close to the same card as a result of of that. Honestly, yeah, it's weird how efficient flash flashback costs can be good. Mm-hmm. But the two the two life now is the thing that lets this deck be in Jeskai. Because you can really punish yourself with the mana base of this deck, but because you can gain four life or six life in a game quite often, you can just like go right back up and go back and get it. Get whatever mana you want. Keep going. The mana base in here, I do think, is hard. And if people start to have a lot of um, aspirations of doing something like playing Blood Moon, again, like that's going to be really difficult for a deck like this to fight against because it's really vulnerable to it. You have no interaction in that way in the, as, as it's currently configured. You do have wear tear in the sideboard, but there's no basic planes. So you can't really go and like <laughs> do it. You have to like have mana up to fight against Blood Moon in that situation. But um, I, I think that the Faithful Mending package or the Faithful Mending card itself, like that's what makes it hu- hugely different from Is It Charm right there. And then let's talk about consider. So Shane, you were kind of like, I don't really like consider. Don't really want to do that. Yada, yada. Didn't think it was that great. That's no, fine. I mean, you're, it's a different, it's a different deck. deck. I think it's way, way, way better in this deck, of course, because I really care about drawing cards in this deck. And I really care about putting random cards in the graveyard. You're, you're looking for pretty specific cards in Esper reanimator. I think in this one, I really just want a bunch of bulk in the graveyard so that I can do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yep. This makes so. sense. Yeah, I mean, this is just, it's just, it's what is a Phoenix always wants, right? Which is an efficient card to do stuff that also randomly can fill your yard if you wanted to. Yes. I will say, I think that the sequencing of this deck is actually a lot harder now than it was before, 
just because and it wasn't easy i don't think before no, it, it definitely wasn't easy but now i think you know trying to figure out if you're gonna go for demi lich and what you're gonna have your demi lich cast and what you're gonna exile with your demi lich is kind of a whole thing you know trying to figure out what you're going to um if you're gonna try to go for demi liches or if you're gonna try to go for arclight phoenixes if you're gonna try to keep stuff around like it's it's a lot harder and i think that's part of the reason that i had some difficulty playing when i when i was playing the deck i also think that you know gut shot is one of those cards that's like a necessary evil right now which i wouldn't be surprised if this just becomes like we're just gonna run remember when when phoenix started and it was like we're gonna run gut shot and it was like great because yep. humans was around and so you could you could kill yeah. noble hierarch and that's why gut shot was really good and then as the metagame evolved away from that, we ended up with surgical extraction main instead of gut shot. It kind of feels like that's that same thing will just happen again here to me, where if we have a bunch of decks that are running faithful faithful mending decks or graveyard synergy decks, that maybe it'll be worth it to have surgical ending in your main instead, and it'll just be a more active spell than gut shot is. Yeah. What do you think about Demulage overall? I think it's fantastic. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have another threat that is exactly the same thing that you're trying to do with Phoenix with this card, and the fact that you can control when it comes back out of the graveyard a little more easily than you can with with Phoenix helps. So occasionally you can cast it one for like two for like blue blue out of your graveyard. You know, you reduce the cost, and then you exile for for instance or or sorceries, and then you cast it for for blue blue, and then you can kind of try to get your engine going again if somebody's killed your team. So between like Omega Star Phoenix and Teeth Diamond Teeth Diamond Eye Demilich, what what's your favorite card to look at? What are you happier on the battlefield, Dave? It's definitely I still think Phoenix is definitely the primary game plan of the of the deck. Okay. Which 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 one do you like more? How it looks. Oh, I like I like Arclight Phoenix better. I like my birds. Okay, good. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So I regarding Demolich, I, I did try playing it in the historic version, mm-hmm. and that card really is not as good when you don't have Manamorphose. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think Manamorphose really enables some really broken Demolich stuff, whereas without Manamorphose or some kind of like mana-generating instant or sorcery, it's just a little harder to do truly busted stuff with it. Yeah, I mean, it makes it... So I don't think that you're ever trying to like be busted with Demi-Lich, although, you know, you do get these these mid-game turns, like I said, like when you're on like turn five or turn six, where you're like, okay, I've managed to put uh, 18 cards in my graveyard and you've killed my Demi-Lich and you killed my Phoenixes and now I'm going to cast four spells and cast pull them all back out of the graveyard again right now and cash in my whole graveyard to do it. Like... Manamorphose is a key part of sequences like that, just because you need the pass through and you need the mana. But I, I think that for the most part, Demi Lich is sort of there to be a little bit of a safety to the fast opens that Arclight Phoenix can have, where occasionally Demi Lich lets you like put a threat out on the board where you're like, I'm going to swing in and I'm just going to lightning bolt one of your creatures again and hit you, or I'm going to swing in and I'm going to cast Prismatic Ending again and I'm going to get rid of something that you have. You know, or maybe if I'm really desperate, I'm going to do faithful mending. Like, I think that there's, it lets you really transition into a longer game plan than maybe Phoenix by itself did, or maybe even Phoenix when Phoenix had Thing in the Ice as well, really, really got to do, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, do you, is Faithless, Faithless Salvaging wasn't in Jumpstart, was it? It was. It was. So that's yeah. on, that's on Historic too. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. I, I feel like that card really helps Demi Lich be better as well. 
like I said, just because it helps you get into like a, I'm going to play three one mana spells on turn on turn three and also have have that extra trigger, right. um, and also set myself up by looting twice. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think this deck is a believe is a believe plus. I think that's just because I did so terribly with it when I was playing. Mm. Um, I think this deck will continue to evolve, but I'm super happy to have it back in the stable. I definitely like, I'm going to go out and buy four Demi Liches now before they get too much more expensive. They're, they've already spiked like three or $4 a piece in the last week, mm. but they've been expensive. Thanks to spike. Dave, you're going to get uh four gold spad dragons at like 50 bones each for no reason. Gold whatsoever. dragon is $50. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Standard. Maybe other things. Who knows? I have one. So I gotta it. get rid of it. That's my financial yeah, tip. Thanks. Get rid of this gold fan dragon. All right. So Stan, does any of this make you want to play this deck? Like this was your baby for so long, and now are you just so far away? Does it it make really it? feels like the same deck. I got to tell you, it's so close to feeling like the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I I would. I, I would. Sure. I, I try. Like I said, I tried to play it in historic. I think. I mean, I played blue-red a ton in Historic before Brainstorm was banned. Like, I played that for a solid month. You know, that was the only deck that I played. Back when people well, were kind of like, I don't have... know if it's good or not, but... Yeah, well, we knew it was good. Well, now, even... First of all, Brainstorm is suspended. Oh, right. Might, it could be back any day sure. any day now. And we don't need Brainstorm, because we have Consider now. It's better. It's like between Brainstorm and Thoughtscour. Mm-hmm. I do think Consider is really powerful. I, I think it's interesting that a lot of the decks that would want to run Consider for value right now, like the blue-white control decks, can't because they really want to run Chalice instead. Right. And so the decks that are getting the most mileage out of Consider are these ones that are really maximizing the graveyard synergy. But I think that once we pass through this Chalice phase, which I imagine we probably, there'll be a turn of the meta crank where, where control decks don't want to play Chalice anymore. I think it'll be back. But I, I think... You know, consider an opt. Like, consider is good if you have something to do with the graveyard. Otherwise, you could just play opt. I think consider is always better than opt. But maybe this is a good cue to go on to your deck because you are uh, you are going to talk about a deck that played a lot of consider too, right? That's true. Yeah. So, oh, I'm so, I'm so amped for this, Dan. Playing modern is hard for me right now. I'm always holding a child, but I can play historic with one hand. Uh, and it's really fast to knock out matches. Uh, dad did, confessions. Yeah, that's true too. We we were chatting about this a little bit when you know when my kids were born. At least my first kid was when my older son was born. I was trying to sneak in magic, and it was before they even had leagues. It was before leagues started, so it was just like sign up for a a sit and go. I don't even remember what those were called. Were those just called tournaments or there's the queues? Like I don't even remember what it was called anymore. Yeah, but I would try to do like a draft, like an oath of the gate watch draft while my son was sleeping when he was like three months old and he would always wake up in the middle of the third match and i would be like like you know but uh i envy you in that sense yeah i mean my kid is six weeks old and i I still get a few hours to myself at night but i've been mostly just playing assassin's creed and then playing magic you know with my phone and that's how i prepared for this week's episode is a delver reprinted in midnight hunt somehow interestingly yeah, a very hype reprint for... Okay, no, you mean Devil of Secrets, not Is It Delver. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm sure no one knew what you were talking right. about. That's right. Is It Delver, Delver of Secrets. Uh, basically the same thing. I was very excited about this reprint. One of my favorite cards that I never really got to explore in its heyday. Um, and either modern and, you know, I don't play Legacy. And, you know, it's a very beloved card. I think a lot of people speculated that this might be one of the reprints. I 
think I may have mentioned that it was a possibility when we were imagining what the, what the hint could be. And typically, Delver of Secrets enables the type of decks and strategies that I like to play, which are maybe Phoenix adjacent even, you know. Mm-hmm play a cheap threat or some kind of threat and a ton of spells around it. So the first thing I did as soon as the set came out was I crafted four of these for consider and for play with fire and just started like moving pieces around to see what I could could do. But in terms of like data on untapped as of this morning, and I think the data has moved around a little bit, but this morning in best of one is a Delver had like a 60% win rate from bronze to myth. So it wasn't just me. Like there were hundreds of matches already within days of, of like the same deck list putting up results. You know, that's not including like all the different iterations people are putting on that doesn't get picked up from uh, the untapped data pool. And I think that's also partially impressive for best of one because prior to Midnight Hunt, we talked about this. The format was just plagued with these very linear combo decks that would just kind of win on the spot on turn four and would make for very unfun play experiences. And maybe the reason Delver has kind of, in addition to being super popular, was able to circumvent that hyperlinear strategy at first is because these Delver decks run a lot of counter spells to protect their cheap turn one threats. And that's, I think, a really good way to actually deal with these combo decks that will often tap out to try to cast a game-winning spell. So can we talk about what all is in this deck real quick? Yeah, oh yeah. So it's Delver of Secrets, and a bunch of counter spells and like some cheap removal spells and expressive iteration. Is that is, are those all the threats you're playing, or what other are you playing any other creatures, or what's the, what's in the deck that you've liked the most? Because I'm looking at Untapped right now, and they're kind of, they're little all over the place. Yeah, so the I think the second best creature is Sprite Dragon, and then in third place it's close. It's either Dragon's Ridge Channeler or Stormwing Entity. Whoa! I kind of can't make up my mind on which of those two I like more because they kind of lend themselves to different decks. Hmm. So interesting. That's like a very, that's not a card I was expecting you to say would be in here, Stormwing Entity. But Stormwing Entity, it's not improved by Delver per se. It's improved by Consider and Play With Fire. Mm -hmm. Like we just have so many playable one mana instants that... Play With Fireable? Exactly. That you can now like get a turn three storming entity and some value on top of it, like anytime it's in your opening hand. So figuring out the exact right shell for Delver is, has kind of helped me go back and forth between those two cards. I do think that you want to go with Dragon's Rage over Stormwing because turn one Delver, you want to have some kind of counter spells up on turn two. So when I talked about like you put Delver and a bunch of counter magic in there, you have memory lapse of course mm-hmm. but you also have uh you can play lofty denial mm-hmm. right mana beak which if you do manage to flip delver on turn two it's like huge basically counterspell yeah Ma- mana beak is at that point and even if you don't the four spike effect is often good enough too yeah that is that's awesome this deck is beautiful <laughs> i love i love looking at all these cards yeah. i want to play all these cards yeah. So it's been what, like five, six days since the set came out? After toying with Delver in that time, I think the realization I came to is that Delver might be just the best blue one drop in the format. Okay. Like it's competing with Shoreline Scout, Ascendant Spirit, and Spectral Sailor. And I think that, that's the new merfolk that fetches oh. the tropical island. Um, excuse I me, mean, don't forget the, the one that. Mausoleum Wanderer or whatever? That's or? not a historic. No. Don't forget the, the other bad the one. The pirate. Spectral Sailor. 
not spectral sail. The one that um the the one that's a siren that has a counter spell attached to it. Right. You know. I, so the reason why I think this is actually the best blue one drop in the format now is because perhaps with the exception of Ascendant Spirit, it's like can single handedly capable of running away with the game. Yeah, I mean it's it's a laughable thing to look at Ascendant Spirit versus. I mean, I was playing mono blue spirits for a while. Right, like I really like that deck. I really like Mana Beak and all that kind of lofty denial, all that kind of stuff. I tried it with Memory Lapse, but the me- the meta had really changed away from that deck by the time Memory Lapse was there. But Ascendant Spirit is like so funny to to look at in comparison to Delver, where it's like you have to put four more mana. Right. No, you have to put six more mana, I think, into Ascendant Spirit to get it to be a four four flyer. Yes. And Delver's like, get an instant on top, and I'll be a three two if you want. Sure. So there's that. And also, you know, Brainstorm currently suspended, but we could get it back any day now. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Keep dreaming. One of the ways that you make up for the fact that it's really hard to control the top of your library is by playing fewer lands. And one of the coolest versions of Delver that I've seen in Historic so far only plays... Runs 10 lands. It runs 12. 12. I'm looking at one right now that only runs 12 lands, yeah. It runs 12 lands and then a bunch of MDFCs, including Juari Disruption, so what happens is, you know, you you flip like Seagate Restoration off the top, and then you play that as your your land drop. You shock yourself, yeah. Uh, you bolt yourself. Um, so on the one hand, if I did my odds right in like this 12 land version of the deck, you're about 75% to flip Delver on turn two. I mean, that seems like a really smart thing to do here, honestly. It only runs, the one that I'm looking at here only runs one Juari Disruption. It runs, looks like two Shatter Sculpt smashings and two uh seagate restorations which takes yeah. it from 12 regular lands to 17 lands right. one of which comes into play tapped so right. that doesn't seem like too much like you get punished for that too too often no not in a deck full of cantrips especially yeah you could theoretically have juari disruption as your turn to to land play with an untapped blue mana source and still have counter uh still have spell pierce up mm-hmm. i guess if you were going to go that way so that's the deck um yeah, I mean that that's actually the one I probably had the most success with because that's that's one that also runs Dragon's Rage Channeler and uh Sprite Dragon. And Brazen Borrower is a two of as well. Oh, you know, I don't think I had Brazen in my okay. um which is probably I don't know. I think Brazen Borrower is kind of replaceable. But this one also has Curious Obsession as a four of. Were you playing Curious Obsession? I, I was playing Curious Obsession. Yes. I and love I, that card so much. You know, I think the reason you you <laughs> want to play it isn't just to get up on cards, but it's a good card type to get in the bin sometimes with Dragon Rage Channeler mm-hmm. so that you can get three, three flyers up more frequently too. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I love it. So, you know, on Delver as a card, my conclusion for it specifically is that I think it's fine. And the decks that it enables are, worst case scenario, just like fun, playable piles. I don't think it necessarily has what it takes to be the new top tier one. Maybe with a little bit of time and and some more reprints and a brainstorm unban. (laughs) Or like on a long enough timeline, maybe we'll actually get Bolt and Counterspell and Legal and Historic finally because they are on Arena. But... But, <laughs> but until I really like am the luckiest boy in the world and like get all my favorite cards, like I don't think Delver is going to be the best deck, but I think it's fine, especially because DRC and Sprite Dragon are great threats as well. And you do have like solid, cheap, playable interaction that you can protect any turn one or turn two threat like reasonably well. Awesome. How do you think it fits in with the decks that you saw right now? Are you seeing less of the 
counter decks or, or not counter the combo decks or what where's the meta at at a glance oh man the meta is insane like okay. the, the meta is at that point right now in week one where it's just like everyone is taking new cards and seeing if they work in their old favorite decks so like i was running up against control combo gruel aggro demir rogues like people just really seeing how good consider is i think is a big one mm-hmm. but also just seeing how good um you know, random creatures are as well. Zombies and vampires too. So the meta is actually hard. It's hard to metagame against. And that's why like a reasonably proactive strategy that just plays like generic counter magic and generic removal spells can sort of get the job done right now. Awesome. All right. So Stan, you, how do you, how do you rate it? Belief? Sleeve? Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a total believer. Um, Not just because. Not a sleever? Well, you know, I have it in full art parallax like, <laughs> practically yeah, triple sleep importantly um i even have the delvern parallax now so just to show people i mean business love it i think it's cool i mean i think it's really cool that we got a couple good spells too like not just delvers the fact that we got consider the fact that we got play with fire which is just better than shock the best shock and you should probably even be playing it in phoenix and historic I w- i've been playing a little bit of phoenix too just because of consider being able to kind of replace brainstorm and do a little bit of a thought scour impression like i think that deck is actually a lot better than it's been recently like it's probably the best it's been since brainstorm got banned and that deck like kind of died mm-hmm. finally got way less popular and like now the fact that you have consider and being able to enable storm wings with it and sometimes bending like a bird or a faithless looting is incredible. I'm kind of surprised that you're not, these decks aren't running faithless looting, looting just for value. Kind the of. Delver decks? Yeah, I guess it doesn't really fit. Like you don't really have space for it, but. Yeah, I think you just want to play mostly instance. And mm-hmm. like if you're going to play a sorcery, it has to be something that's really good for DRC. Mm-hmm. And I think like the sorcery removal is better than faithless mm-hmm. looting, which is just going to put you down a card. And also, you really only have space for exp- like one draw spell in that sense, and so expressive iteration is just better, probably yeah. too. Yeah, it's still just like one of the best cards ever in the world. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, there you have it. It's our sleeve believe heave for Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Consider this edition. I wouldn't be surprised if we have another one of these. Honestly. I kind of think we're going to do feel- another one next week. Let's see what happens over the next few days. <laughs> yeah, guys, I got to tell you, I'm going to be in Wisconsin next week, so I, I'm going to miss another episode. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Audience, you've heard it here first. Forgive me. Stan, Stan's so busy having having a kid, he's got to go to Wisconsin <laughs> to escape. Yeah, I got to introduce him to some cheese and beer while he's young, and That's I can perfect. still influence his, his palate. What's the what's the baby like New Glarus beer? Is it like... Two Sisters. I was going to say road not, slush. Not, not the cream ale? It's creamy. Dairy. I mean, Spotted Cow is like your beginner New Glarus beer. And then from there, you can yeah, get into the hard stuff. And audience, I know that cream ales don't have cream in them. Okay. I know that. I, I, I have some uh, Midnight Hunt packs. I um I bought a pre-release box. Should I crack open some packs? Stan, you know we're still recording the episode, I, right? Yeah, I'm, of course. That's why I'm recommending we crack packs. Anybody have any 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 other things they would like to include in the episode? Let's see what you got. I opened a whole box the other night, honestly. No. Yeah, I opened a box of oh, set I, boosters. How'd you get the box? Oh, you you did that thing where you can like buy at the pre-release or I just something? Went, yeah, like, I just went to the store near me, and they, Grandmaster Games Oak Park, the lands swamp. are beautiful. Have you all, I do think the lands are very cool. They're, they're pretty hard to tell what land they are, but they look very, from across the table, but they look very cool. <laughs> and it does wrap up this week's episode. 
if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to the podcast or just reach out to us in general, you can tweet us at the dive down all one word. You can even email us thedivedown at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. It's how you get into our definitely discreet Discord dimension where we chat all day about a variety of topics from parenting to parenting, video games, Shane's nature photography. You're really developing a beautiful eye, by the way. Thanks. Shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring our show. You can sign up for Mana Traders using promo code The Dive Down 2021 and support our podcast while playing Magic Online. Use the promo code to get 15% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, I, I can't yell. I have, a, I have a sleeping child. Just get nightbound, people. Get nightbound, people. Get nightbound. Get nightbound. Get nightbound.